Welcoming two very special guests to the studio. Welcome to Hand of Pod. episode 361 of Hand of Pod. Dan, last week I used your full circle joke. The 360. Ah, oh, very good. Which I think you gave me a couple of weeks previously. Yes. Um, I'm Sam Kelly and this week I'm joined by English Dan, who you've already heard. Hello and welcome. And Dries Bruckner. Hello and welcome. And two very special guests, as I just said. Uh, welcoming for his second visit to Argentina, although given how quickly the first one Past it, Phil Carney, aka Lanus in English. Good to be back. And for his first visit to Argentina, and it actually is his first visit, but it's technically right now his second visit to Buenos Aires because he's already got out of the city and come back. Uh, Jamie Ralph, or Newells in English. Pleasure to be here, thanks very much. Welcome to both of you. If, if you're a non native English speaker and you listen to Hand of Pod to learn English, I know that there are one or two who do this, and you're wondering what the hell was that you just heard. Uh, Jamie is not British, are you, Jamie? <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm definitely not British, as some people will be able to tell from the accent, but others won't. Uh, but no, I'm from Ireland, the Republic of Ireland. Yes, the proper Ireland. The proper Ireland, yeah. yeah. Um, Phil is uh, from, just remind people for... I'm from Manchester. Yeah. Um, who, who've not listened. Phil, Phil came on... Uh, Again, though, he's from Manchester. Yes. Good strong accent. Yeah. But he has an Irish passport, which you just told us, so he's oh, actually one of us. I need to get mine sorted still, but we've, my, my brother and I have got as far as getting my grandfather's birth certificate, and then the next step is not very clear at all on how you can do it if there are two of you who FBI. live in different countries. We'll have a word afterwards, I've done it. Good, thank you. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, we've kind of been frozen on that for a, bit, for, for a while anyway. Uh, Phil came on Hand of Pod... About, hang so, on, a little under two years ago. Two years ago, uh, when he came down for the Lanus Libertadores final, which we were, for some reason, last week struggling to remember whether it was two or three years ago, but it was two years ago. Burned into my memory. So, welcome back, Phil. And Today, you chatted three years ago uh, from the semi final, second yeah. level. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And the death of uh, Ramon Cabrero. Yeah. The day after, I think. Something yeah. like that. That sounds right. Um, they have both already been to a game, and those games are included in the list of fixtures that I'm about to read out. But first of all, I should mention before I forget that we are sponsored by Fanatis, a service which I'm sure both of these two guys use when they're back at home, um, which allows you to watch the Superliga, the Copa Argentina, and later on in the season, the Copa Superliga from anywhere in the world, live or on demand. If you're in the United States, then you're also lucky enough to be able to watch the Sudamericana and the Libertadores live, as well as a bunch of other European competitions. Um, and various other competitions from across South America as well. If you're a Handapod listener, then you can get a seven-day free trial and 20% off your first three months by going to fntz.co slash hop and using the discount code HOPFZ. That's fntz.co slash hop and discount code HOPFZ. Get on it. The Libertadores final is in... Uh, just over three weeks, so that's how long you've got. As long as they don't have to delay it for some reason, which 
They might, given circumstances. But anyway, the results from the weekend... Weekend? No. <laughs> the, the week! Results, well, there the were results the in the weekend. Weekdays. The results from the middle of the week, just gone. Uh, these games were played on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. Are as follows. Godoy Cruz 3, Aldo Civi 2. Uh, that one was rather more entertaining than any of us were expecting it to be. Estudiantes 3, Rosario Central 0. Atletico Tucumán 2, Patronato 0. Newell's Old Boys 0, Gimnasia y Escrima La Plata or, again, to give them their full name, Diego Maradona's Gimnasia Escrima La Plata, four. Yeah, you heard that right. River Plate, two, Colón, one, in uh, what could turn out to be a prelude of next year's South American Super Cup. Argentinos Juniors, one, Tacheres, nil. San Lorenzo, one, Defensa y Justicia, three. The end of Juan Antonio Pizzi, after that game. Why was it? Oh, yes. I missed that. Probably because I was out walking around yeah. San Telmo with Jeremy. Uh, I'm previous to that, sorry, uh, Pekache also, yeah, also quit uh, uh-huh. on Friday after yes. the Lanús finished the coming back from the news Dutch bullet. Paul Monsu got the yes. he saw the <laughs> uh, Where have we got that to? Union 2, Independiente 2, uh, which I don't think is spelt the end for Becca Sese just yet, but it might do because Independiente were 2 0 up with like five minutes to go. It's already gone, Sam. Yeah. yeah. Ah, straight after the Lanus game. Yeah. yeah. Oh, bloody hell. He's gone. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Sorry, that's what my press just said, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. I have to cut that bit if I remember, which I won't. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway. Uh, Racing nil, Banfield nil. Uh, we're into. Oh, no, that was, that was on Wednesday as well. And then the last three games were on Thursday Arsenal de Sarandí 2, Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero 2, Vélez Sarsfield nil, Huracán nil, and Lanus 2, Boca Juniors 1. Um. We should start, I suppose, with the two games that you two were at, with apologies to Jamie. Um, what was Diego Maradona's return to El Colosso like, Jamie? Because um, on television it looked hilarious. <laughs> well, as someone visiting the stadium and Rosario for the first time, everything was amazing until the whistle was blown, mm. until the match started. Um, the atmosphere was incredible, the stadium was full, 42,000 people, um, you know, everybody was excited, they had <coughs> flags of Maradona, and it was a, it was a lovely evening weather-wise, uh, especially for an Irishman who's come from, you know, 8 degrees and cold. Um, that high? Yes, that high, that high. I believe it's gone down to 5 or 4 now. That must make more sense. Uh, yeah, but, uh, the, you know, for someone visiting news for the first time, uh, it couldn't have gone any better until they started playing football. Uh, and well, then not playing. Or not playing, exactly. exactly. Sorry, it was just after Maradona uh, turned to 59. It was just like before. 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 Ah, before. Yeah. Ah, so, yeah, he turned 59 the day after, which was a good birthday present for him. But um, it was... One thing to mention is that I guess the throne has made world news. You know, it's been the throne is fantastic. Yeah, what I like is the way that everyone's calling it a throne. It's an armchair. It's a big chair. But it's a really big throne. It's It's kind of on a little plinth. Yeah, Yeah, it's raised up. The plinth, I think, makes it a throne. (laughs) I I was in there. You have to like really uh, consult this with a professional upholsterer or something. (laughs) I'm going to go for thrones. I was in the Platea Alta, which is quite high. the, The big, massive stand that everybody sees when they go to El Colosso or see it in picture. It wasn't that obvious that it was quite an elaborate throne from there. Mm. It was only when we came out after the game and I looked on Twitter that I realised that this was such big news. But um, yeah, I mean, that Ignacia performance was just incredible. I mean, Newells were really bad, but, but Ignacia, I, you know, it felt like Marcelo Bielsa was in the, in the dugout, not Maradona, because they just attacked Newells like dogs and 
and defended like their lives meant on it. And um, but Newells, yeah, it, it looked like the Newells youth team, not a senior team. It wasn't the same team that has had quite a good run of form this season already, and everybody was in shock. But uh, you know, the good thing it was my first ever ever game in Argentina, and I was drawing parallels with English football, which I've been to quite a lot of Premier League games, and and the fact that no fans left the, the ground before the kickoff was surprising but nice to see mm. and everybody was still singing and and you know the the popular and the barrels get even louder when when you can see the goal which is, is is nice to see as well but yeah on the pitch just completely completely terrible from a, from a newell's point of view and hopefully mo- most of my my friends who support newell's believe it was just a blip that every team that goes through uh, a, a good run of form has one bad game and they think that's the case i think that the whole maradona um show actually affects them psychologically yeah, that's we, what I believe. We we were talking in um in the pub yesterday when we got to the pub, weren't we, about that, and and how I I got the impression watching on the telly that, and and then we said to the two guys that we bumped into and got talking to that, um, for for Gimnasia, before the before Maradona took over, they were you know going long places, especially away trips. Everybody ignored them. There was no fuss outside the hotel or anything. Then they'd start the game, lowly motivated. The opposition would win, and Gimnasia would go back to La Plata. Um, and since Maradona's come, it's you know obviously wherever they've gone, he and by extension the rest of the club has ended up being treated like royalty or like you know a visiting god, um, and that can only have regardless of even Maradona's uh, seemingly pretty decent um, qualities as a motivator. But even if you ignore that, just the fact that they're being received in that way wherever they go can only have a positive effect on the confidence, can it? Yeah, sort of similar confidence is such um... a big thing. We saw a similar thing in Mexico last year with mm. Dorados. I mean, mm. no one before Maradona turned up even had even heard of this club. Mm. They went from overnight uh, attendances of five six hundred to attendances of eighteen thousand. Yeah, no, they finished runner up in both the. Yeah. Uh, they were in like the yeah, promotions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I think it was. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's got to have an effect on yeah. the, mm. the players overnight. No one even knew they existed, and suddenly they got Maradona on the bench. You've got ESPN beaming your games live across South America. You've got. 20,000 people in the stands, I mean, and just imagine for Gimnasia as well, this is a team that, as we said, two months ago were, were done, they were, they were doomed, yeah. they had absolutely nothing to play for almost. And they might very well still be doomed. Yes. But they're getting closer, they're it? getting closer, I mean, two consecutive wins. But I think they're, they're, they're and eight goals in two away. games as well, yeah. it was, was it 4-2 away to Tacheres as well, or was that before mm. the last game? Oh no, sorry, there's, there's a, a loss to um, Union in there as well. So but they, they beat Godoy Cruz, lost to Union, and then beat Newell's. The most incredible thing about Maradona's coming to Gimnasia, I think, is that uh, supporters from other clubs desire that Gimnasia saves from relegation, which is really, in Argentina, is uh, my club and the other is not, doesn't exist. And, mm. and, and in this case, it's, yes, I hope Maradona mm. does a great job and, and, and Gimnasia can, can stay at first division, okay. uh, except for Estudiantes, of course, supporters, which in case, uh, even they say, I, I love Maradona and happy birthday Maradona. Well, I, I want Estudiantes to defeat Gimnasia. They play uh, this weekend. But uh, it's like uh, the love they have to Maradona, it's like. Uh, uh, it's it nullifies the hatred. Yeah. Still there. Everybody has become sympathizer yeah. of Gimnasia. Yeah. I, know, I know all my friends are Lanos, they absolutely mad for Maradona, obviously, mm. and they're suddenly mad for Gimnasia without. Mm. Exception. It's bizarre to see. He's a local boy, of course, uh, Maradona. Mm. Well, from The strangest thing, and I, I was talking to some Newell's fans about this during the week, for me, is that is there any other manager in the world 
who can come out the day before the game and join in with the fans of their rival yeah. rival songs. You know, was he, was he, he wearing a North Cap at the time as well? I was I watching that video and I could have sworn he was. He, he's been wearing that, that Venezuela cap, oh, which is favorite, blue and yeah. yellow, and he came out at El Coloso with a blue and yellow cap, and I thought, there's only one person who can do that, and it's Maradona. <laughs> yeah. But he came out onto the, the balcony of the hotel they were staying in, and there was like a thousand Newell's fans there, and he joined in the Newell's chants. And, you know, his team are playing Newell's the next day. And no Is one that... was angry about it at all. No, no, no one no, was bothered. No. Everyone was happy Can you imagine it? that happening with any other club in the world? No. No, no. <laughs> That's difficult to say, isn't it? Uh, in the game itself, Nicolas Contin opened the scoring five minutes before half-time. And then in the second half, there was an early flurry of goals. Maximiliano, Maximiliano Caire in the 50th minute. Horacio Tijanovic in the 51st minute. And Matias Garcia making it 4-0 in the 56th. Um, which I mean when you're at a game and you get a flurry of goals like that in, in such a short period of time you know on TV it's often a bit discombobulating to watch but sometimes in the stadium it can really just completely kill things can't it's it it's just it, disbelief it's, complete yeah. disbelief like there was yeah there was a succession of goals there I think it was the second and third that came within two or three minutes mm. and it was just kind of everyone looking at each other like what's going on here you know because Newells didn't even get close to scoring you know it was just yeah, like that was, that was the other weird thing because I mean I, as, as you said, Newell's have been on a good run and from time to time a team will have a bad performance in the middle of some decent performances. But they were all over the place. I mean, it, was, yeah. it was like watching, as you said, a completely different team. Yeah, there was problems with the selection. You know, I, do, I don't agree with the selection that Goodelka put out. Um, but you still would have thought that, you know, with playing some players who maybe might not have played a few weeks ago, that we've, you, know, you didn't expect them to lose 4-0 at home. Have we no, had any conspiracy theories on it yet? Yes. With Maradona yes. involved, you would have yes. thought someone say we're throwing the game. Somebody texted me that about that. Yeah, somebody texted me and said, I see on Twitter that people are saying that they could have been fixed. Yeah. Fix, fixed to lose 4 0. I know, I know. For yeah. the, for the great point, point average. For the great yeah, yeah. Just lose 1 0 and maintain some dignity. Yeah. So, yeah. who would you have picked then? Because Newell's 11, I'm just looking at it here. It's Alan Aguerre in goal, obviously. Yeah. Back four of Gabrielli, Lema, Gentiletti, and Pitolo. And then. The front six don't look too far off who've been starting most of the games to me. Anibal Moreno, Julian Fernandez, Denis Rodriguez in midfield, Lucas Albertengo, Rodrigo Salinas, Maxi Rodriguez across the front. Well, he left, I would have put Nadaline in. Nadaline, who's just been called up to the under 23s, Facundo mm-hmm. Nadaline, I would put him instead of Gabrielli, but it's, you know, there's not much between them. Okay. Um, Mico was left on the bench, I know he's coming back from injury, but yeah, they played Denis Rodriguez. Start, yeah. And then I'm not convinced at all by Rodrigo Salinas. And he was playing him at centre forward and he's put Albert Tengo out in the wing. Albert Tengo scored a couple of goals playing in the centre and then he put him out in the wing. And Salinas, I think, scored two weeks, two or three weeks ago, but it was a complete fluke of a goal. You know, it, was, it, was, yeah. it wasn't his fault that he scored. Um, so I'm not convinced by Salinas at all. I, I would put Luis Leal in ahead of Salinas, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but yeah, so there's a few things that could be changed there and I, I expect in the game against Tacheres at the weekend that he's probably going to make some changes. And, and Moreno who's the, is a kid from the national team, but uh, if either him, him uh, the one who replaced uh, uh, Formica or... I think it was Dennis that uh, Kachibue is out as well. Ah. So Kachibue is injured. But you know why Moreno was playing, interestingly? There were scouts from Newcastle United in Rosario they went to the reserve game, uh, which was a few days before, and then they were going to the senior game, and I believe it was to look at Moreno, because Moreno starting was a bit like a little bit of a surprise, because he hasn't been playing that much, even though he has a lot of talent, but he, he wasn't very good at all. He kept trying to shoot, it was being deflected and blocked, and he was brought off early on in the second half, so I doubt he's going to go to Tyneside anytime soon. 
Could we well be seeing uh, Maradona going to Newcastle as a yeah. scout? I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Got a ringing endorsement there from the scouts. Sure did. Yeah. Um, the other game at which uh, this table had a representative was the final game of the midweek round. It was last night. It was Lanusa's two-one win over Boca Juniors. Phil, what was it like to be back? Just like a homecoming, it was glorious. So aside from my own personal, you know, feelings for it anyway, it was very interesting game from my perspective I don't know what it was like for anyone else watching it but it was Boca were obviously disjointed we were good but still struggling to face up to a bigger team at the same time so it wasn't mm. there was definitely a degree of trying to peg them down a little bit trying to push them back before they got a grip on the game Look, looking at the stats it, it's like I mean total shots 9 for Lanus 19 for Boca on target yeah. 3 for Lanus 9 for Boca and that paints the picture of a really, really one-sided match. And yet, actually watching the game, it wasn't, no, was it? It, it was, was weird. Because Boca was so disjointed, as you said. That yeah, it, we went through periods where we were definitely clearly the better side, and then other periods where Boca absolutely bombarded us, and if they shouldn't have won, then you would have been hard to begrudge them a goal. Hmm. But at the same time, by the time you got to the end of the game, it was hard to really think that Lanus didn't at least marginally deserve to win the game, because... They're just clever. Yeah, at the end of the day, but they they were like they they rolled the lock at times. But Boca, Iskiaros wasn't the worst, and he got sent off. But the amount of I don't want to say idiocy, but the, the moments of ill discipline and letting the temper get the better of them, the getting caught up in the moment. I mean, Mauro yeah. Zarate when he scored. Oh, such a tip. <laughs> it's, it's great that some things don't change. At least the man's an anchor. He's just a complete pillock. But I mean the. I saw some people suggest he probably should have got a second yellow card for the celebration. Mm. I'm not convinced, but there, was there were some cards there that they were discussed. The the Valenti, I think the the one who grabbed on the edge of the area. Yes. I think it was. Yeah. At one point, I thought we were going to have um, Quinon sent off, which would have completely destroyed us because he's a linchpin. But they basically they they rolled the luck. They managed to. One thing that Zubaldia has brought in really well, and he's established that we just did not have under Carboni. Carboni destroyed it, was the combination of work rate, aggression, and stamina on a physical level. And for games like this, when it works, Zubaldia's got it absolutely down because they do just enough going forward. And that, it tends to be a close thing, but they do just enough going forward. But they're stubborn in the middle, the defence is showed up, and they run all day long. They don't stop. Mm. And we just about got away with it yesterday, really. The goals were an early-ish nine minutes in yeah. strike from Jose Sand. Bit of a soft one, to be honest. Yeah, I, yeah. I missed that one. Cross from the right, Pepe Sand headed it from, I want to say maybe 10 yards, 12 yards. It was a decent header, but from where I was stood, it didn't look like it had enough pace on it that Andrade shouldn't maybe have stopped it, but mm. it was a decent header. Uh, free kick from Maro Sarate. Very good for Beautiful for Celebration was ridiculous. It I was mean. so necessary. Coming a week after going out, you went out of the couple of Arthurdes at the hands of yeah. River and you equalised him. No offence for him, of course, but it's an equaliser against Lanus in the Oboka. I mean, we don't like him, but we don't like him because no one likes him. Why does he care what we think about him? Yeah. yeah. It was bizarre. It, like, if a Banfield player does that, you know, in two weeks or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's like a winner against River in El Libertador. If that was the winner, if that was the last minute, fair enough. But yes. it, it was a bizarre thing to be doing five, ten minutes before half time in a game that was nowhere near close to done. And for Boca, 
I know they have something to come back from, but it's not that What big was the celebration for the benefit of those who didn't see it? So, just started gurning and holding his hands like up. Like a the... Marco Tardelli style? Or... No, 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 much more aggressive. It, yeah. was, it was more of the... Tri- the sort of thing you expect to see in a derby after someone scored a goal. Okay. So, my initial reaction being a City fan was remembering Wayne Rooney doing a Manchester derby. The sort of thing where it's absolutely straight to the home fans. Yes. Absolutely. I've just put one past you. Yeah. I'm going to go do like nothing like else. Like the, the level under Adebayor? Oh, yeah. Exactly. Not that high level, yeah. but a bit below. But... It was, I would put it a level below Gary Neville running over to the Liverpool away end. Yeah, that, that's probably fair. Yeah. That he had nothing to do with. Yeah, <laughs> it was, but it was just an unnecessary reaction. I think everyone was just a little bit baffled as to why you're being like this. Yeah, we all know you're a jackass, but really. <laughs> um, and then Carlos Alski yeah. put that back into the league four minutes into the second half. Um, with that was a shot that um, kind of a bit of a scrappy one that that uh, Andrade couldn't hold wasn't it and then and touched it. Other than the pitch from me, from what I could tell, he kind of half tried to pass it, half tried to shoot, it, and kind mm. of ended up spooning it up yeah. into into the back of the net from the back post. I think it was, it, it was a typical Alski finish in that it wasn't very convincing. It was, frankly, the, the ball bounced in his feet. I think he bat- yeah, <laughs> very typical Lanos anyway. Really, it was a low cross from one side and someone yes. met it either at the front post or the back post. This case, Alski. But the play was uh, started by by Marcelino, who I think was. I, I will. I could talk all day about Marcelino. Please do. We, so, we, we haven't done enough. I, I, I suspect Marcelino is not a name that a lot of people will know if you don't watch Lanos. Mm. He's been knocking around for. I want to say four years at this point, maybe five years, and he's another one of these long line of players that Lanos produce who are wide forwards, who run all day, dribble all day, and have variable levels of end products, including Pedro de la Vega, uh, Lavaro Costa, the new kid Alex Bernabe. And Marcelino, he struggled for a long time, he could beat players one-on-one, no problem, but never produce anything. He had a run of about two years without scoring a goal, despite regularly scoring, regularly starting games, he just he couldn't score goals. And at some point since Suadir came in replacing Carboni, he seems to have got in his head because he has gone from being mercurial, let's say, out on the wing as a backup to Acosta. He's moved him inside into central midfield ahead of Quignon as our mobile, essentially our playmaker, really. Yeah. And suddenly everything goes through him. He drifts out wide, he pushes through the middle, he can do a defence splitting pass or he can beat three people. There's a great look video that's going around in the game last night where in the first half he was on the left wing and I think basically three different Boca players are trying to stop him and he does the, a rollover of the ball that I think it was Buffarini just leaves him absolutely dead on the floor and he just carried it on and in the second half for that goal he ghosted down the left as far as from what I can remember beat a couple of players whip the ball across and yeah. just, just absolutely slice through the match he played just the, the, the typical match in which his agent might, must capture the, the, the images and send them to the <laughs> because uh, it was incredible yeah. get, get a highlight video up on yes. YouTube um, I didn't realise he was a former Boca youth by the way Start, started off at Atletico Palmira his youth career <laughs> then, then spent a while with Boca then went to Lanús and then made his didn't make his senior debut with Tacheres. Uh he, he apparently spent a year with Tacheres without playing for them uh, before rejoining Lanús in 2016. So he's been back for three years. And yeah, 42 games and no goals so far, which surprises me. He has scored some, I suspect, if it's English. It's must be league then, I think. To be honest, he's even scored some recently, but no, I suspect it's a little bit out of date. But very, very recently, within the, la- within the last year, he'd not Correct. scored any goals. Correct, as of 2108. 
19th of May 2018. Uh, so it's a year and a half out of date, in fact. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he did have a comically long run of not scoring. Hmm. He, he, he had, I was having this conversation with uh, some of my mates after the game yesterday, and we were discussing the fact that he, everyone likes everyone thinks he's talented, but he went such a long time without delivering that. I wouldn't say he burned through the goodwill, but a lot of people just lost faith that he could deliver. Yeah. But he's just two of the others found something in him. He, they seem to have connected because he's he's an incredible player at the moment, massive for us. Hmm. We have to ask now as well, not so much asking you, Phil, but discuss. Given that it's Boca Juniors, um, it's it's not been the best nine days. It was Tuesday that he went to Doris final, wasn't it? And this was Thursday, so nine days. Um, they, they'd obviously sort of put a lot into not being able to play at the weekend, not being able to get that monkey of Libertadores elimination off their backs right away. And they're very disappointed. And maybe some of that fed into Sarate's celebration. Um, but it's, what are they lacking? Confidence? Cutting edge? Organisation was my reaction last night. It seemed like they were... Hard to tell at first, but it seemed as soon as they started going the problems, they lost the picture of how they were going to actually fix things. For a while they were just bombarding, but it wasn't in a structured way. It didn't seem like Alfaro would set them up to actually have a coherent game plan to attack. They were uh, just relying on individual often individual doesn't. quality. Yeah, it's a and team that really struggles to chase games. Yeah. Like they know they need to get a result, or if they're behind, or... I think it's worth saying the, for it. the shot just count... don't have a way to do it. They don't have any methodology for it. The, the shot count that you were talking about, it, hmm. worth noting, a lot of them came in flurries. Yeah. So yeah. there was... One being taken off in probably 15 minutes from the end where Boca just absolutely had us penned in. I think it was like two corners, three corners in a row. They were pinging in crosses. There were headers going up and we just about kept a cap on it. But it was basically them just trying to overwhelm us. There wasn't a great structure to it. Mm. You look at the last three games as well against Racing, they couldn't score. Against River, only came through a set piece, set piece in a scramble. Yeah. And yesterday as well uh, a very nice free beautiful kick beautiful free kick but it's again it's, it's very it's little not plan, it's not a plan. set play collective play it's, it's certain book or a lot the club is also now covered with rumours because you have Alfaro uh, when, after being eliminated saying I will go home and, and record my life then he says oh well but it was I was hot minded at that point and I didn't yeah. mean it then Tevez will continue or not it's like all the club is there will be elections, of course, uh, and the club is like that, and it's quite uh, difficult to focus on football when uh, you you have lost against uh, Racing, then against River, not lost but eliminated, and now against Lanús again, uh, uh, losing the, the leadership because now Argentina's juniors is alone there. There are a lot of things. It feels like they're waiting for the presidency to get sorted out before they can even do anything. Yeah, mm. everything sorted. Yes. yes. Exactly, yeah, I mean, it, you can't take a forward step when you don't know who yeah. that's going to be under, can you? Um, so, yeah, it, Boca, as Andres says, have, have lost the joint leadership of the league. Uh, Argentinos Juniors uh, alone at the top after 10 games. That was thanks to a 1-0 win over Tacheres in uh, Villa General Mitre. Um, Gabriel Auche with the only goal of the game. It was quite nicely worked. It was, yes. He just Very slipped nice in behind the defence. Typical Ouchie yeah, style, yes. That's a joke because he slipped while finishing as well. As well as but the the I'm glad you explained it. Yes. Thank you. The one who assisted, the one assisted there was, was Silva, another, yeah. like, <laughs> it's like a Pepe Sand style. 
We will say <laughs> we we'll be careful throwing those comparisons. Of course, saving these things. He's, he's, he's scored a few more goals at a few more clubs than Pepe Sam did. I mean, yes. Pepe, most of Pepe Sam's have just been oh. at the news. But the goals have been a lot of them. <laughs> How far is he now off the record, Sam? Oh, he's taken it. He's, he's gone past it already. Right, really? He's about 15 yeah. away still no, from the all-time. Right, he's like 120 or something like that at this point. There was a bit of debate over exactly what the record... Exactly how uh, many yeah, he scored. There was one that, that was actually an own goal, but that got given for I, him by the referee. Or something. I've seen a lot of different items of this, both from the media and from fans mm. being angry at the media, but at this point, whichever count he's going off, he's beating it. Hmm. They're, they're saying it, it was 121 and he's beating it. I think ah, right, the okay. game at Wolves, I think yeah. when they were saying that was officially it because he got a plaque yesterday before the game. Mm. All the commemorations, fan groups booting balls over the fence to commemorate every goal he'd score <laughs> all, all the good stuff let's call it 122 and a half to hedge our bets sorry Andres you were saying about Santiago Silva before I interrupted you no I tried to compare because he's a similar age and, 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 and he's doing similar things in, I mean uh, you, you could perhaps say well uh, a player with, with his age uh, and being a striker, perhaps is like uh, steady and, and, and doesn't have many chances. But in the case of Silva, and um, I think uh, Sam does the same, uh, he tries to participate in other uh, 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 places in the game. And well, that assistance to assist to outshoot proves, I think, something like that. Sorry, Andres, for a second I thought you said being a psycho, and I was like, yeah, pretty much. Yes. <laughs> One kind yeah. of... Uh, okay, no, actually, no, it's about right. Yeah. Um, it was a great week for Argentinos, who are going to have, as far as we know, their, their first supporter president of Argentina. Yes, they are indeed. And they uh, celebrated by going... Yeah. The big results since we last recorded... Um, is that Argentina are going to have a new... Argentina is going to have a new president. It's a country, it's not... Um, it's a collective at the same in time. About a month's time. Argentinos 48, Boca 40, as was how uh, Kronika <laughs> announced it in an inimitable spot style. Indeed. Um, everything's about football, of course. As for Argentinos, it was considering that they were only playing Tacheres, who were on a pretty poor <laughs> run. I wasn't too convinced by the performance, but they've always got them winning again. Um, it's three, get, three wins in a row. I'll get my teeth in properly. Three wins in a row um, against Arsenal, Independiente and Altaceres and five in their last six games and six games of their last eight they've won. They've only lost to Lanús and Colón during that time. Um, which puts them, as we said, top of the league on 24 points from 11 games with Lanús second on 22 thanks to that win over Boca. Um, and Boca are fourth they're on goal difference behind the team in third uh, and apologies Boca fans but once again River Plate this week at least have got the better of you because River Plate went third um, at one point during River's 2-1 win over Colón the point being the point where River were 2-0 up um, they, they've got the best goal difference by a mile in the Superliga anyway uh, but at one point it was twice the second best goal difference which happens to belong to Boca River at one point in that game and the goal difference is 16 and Boca's is 8 and that's the second best in the league or it was before they lost so it's now River have got 15 and Boca have got a goal difference of 7 um, it was a pretty convincing win in the end for, for River um, but Colón managed to make it look he was tight in the end because of. The, I, I guess it's to be expected, given that you know, as as I joked while I was reading out the results, it might turn out to be the red copper 
Sudamericana next year because of course River in the Libertadores final and Colón are in the Sudamericana final um, Colón didn't actually show that much in attack though no and they admitted of course that the, the final uh, is something in Argentina is usual to when there is a team that uh, arrives to the final for the first time they November are, the 9th I think Sam if that's what you're looking for thank you I was yeah because it's coming up next week then next Saturday yeah Super. Carry on, Andres. No, that they, when they arrive to a final for the first, first time, they they think only about that and they can't focus or, or be concentrated in other other stuff. And well, you, you visit River and, and River is in, at this moment of the at the highest point of their performances and and even so, it was a tight match in the end because of the own goal uh, scored by by Martinez Cuarta. Hmm. But uh, yes, they they I, I admitted that they were like. Yes, the final is like we can't get out of that, and um, uh, and, and as I, I think it's not very different to this, the previous matches for River in the terms of uh, having a, a quite uh, dull first half, and then in the second, uh, having scored, they, they they started playing again with their confidence, and and and, and perhaps Cologne uh, couldn't see the ball. Uh, then they they scored the second uh, with Quintero already in the pitch. Yeah, in fact. One seconds after, yes. and as a direct result of Quintero being on the pitch, of yes. uh, and in the end, yes, uh, Colonel pushed a bit, and, and uh, they like produced that, produced that goal that finally was a Martinez Cuarta on goal. But yes, I think it was quite similar to Patronato's victory, uh, in which the first half was not good, but in the second they they finally got the the. the they could could uh, sc- uh, be deep in the in their attacks and, and, and finally score because of course in the monumental uh, it's something that they say as an excuse. River and uh, and the players used used to say that when they they play in the monumental, their their rivals come to their side and try to wait a lot, and then uh, for River it's difficult to to get deep attacks. In this case, it was uh, that so in the first half and the second it was much much better. Uh, Jamie, was it you who said that you've been thinking of going to uh, Racing Banfield and then were quite glad that you had it because it was... It was, yeah. Phil was saying the same, same thing. Yeah, we both... I was in the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we all had our first We know someone who did go and I think we know who got the better of the bargain because yes. it sounded terrible. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't... Uh, I watched large bits of it and it wasn't the, the best Racing game of 2019 was, from the neutral's point of view. It was a carbon copy. I can't remember if Racing hosted Banfield right at the end of 2018 or just before. I think mm-hmm. Fazioni was in charge even then. It was pretty much a carbon copy of that game. Uh, Racing barely got kind of free passes in the area together. They pumped cross after cross after cross for Banfield's two uh, giant statues to just head away with these and anything that did go in Got goal, uh, Arboleda, who only seems to play, or even or play, even a tiny bit well against Racing, just mopped everything up. I think it was the first game he played in like nine months or something, because uh, he wasn't taken into account by Crespo. He wasn't uh, Crespo's first choice, and yeah, he came back just in time to piss off Racing again, which was fantastic. But yes, luckily I didn't go. I had to. Uh, had to babysit Nawil and that proved a much more uh, constructive use of my time. And you were showing us before we started recording that you've now got Nawil's uh, members card for Racing. So when, Indeed, when poor kids, I've, I've scarred him for life. Mm, it might not be for a couple of years yet. Huh? It's, 
my girlfriend's been commenting on how accustomed he is compared with most babies to noise, which I realise is a sort of. You saying I'm a loud person? No, no. I'm, I'm saying for, for for the benefit of, of listeners, it's a decision that uh, Dan and uh, and his girlfriend have, have taken to not sort of shy him away when there are other people around and stuff, and to have him surrounded mm. by people just because you don't want him to be afraid of adults, I guess. No, or I mean people no. talking or social. <laughs> Within reason, I don't want him to you know get in strangers' cars or anything. <laughs> but I, I reckon he'll be running a, a subsection of the battery by the time he's like six. This is a dream. Yeah. Um, another team from Ave Shaneda who had to settle for a draw. Slightly more entertaining. Much more entertaining from a neutral, and I also suspect from a Rasmus point, point of view as well. Yeah. Um, were Independiente. Silvio Romero put them 1 0 up 25 minutes in, away to Union. Um, Silvio Romero put them 2 0 up on the stroke of half time, away to Union. That was after they had gone down to 10 men because Fabricio Bustos was sent off for a second booking. And they were still 2 0 up after 89 minutes had been played really? and then they gave away a penalty which Walter Bowles scored to make it 2-1 and then five minutes into stoppage time with about five seconds left to play Nicolas Mazzola popped up and got an equaliser which I've got to say based on the balance of the second half was an equaliser that Union thoroughly deserved because okay they were playing against 10 men um, but they just were completely dominant in the second half um Independiente, according to SofaScore, Independiente didn't have a single minute of the second half during which they were on top of the game. Mm. It's all just green bars above the halfway mark in the second half, which you don't see very often. Um, I'm sure, Union's first goal came in the 85th minute. Yeah. I seem to remember it being a, look, a bit that's, earlier. That's what it says here. I thought it was about the 85th or something, but it says 89. Eh? Yeah. Um, but anyway, there we go. Yeah. Uh, but I think it was, it was five minutes uh, of uh, stoppage time. That's why yeah. in the almost five was a lot of stuff. Yes. Yeah, uh, the coach for Independiente, I, I should clarify, having uh, completely forgotten that Becca Sese quit last week, in spite of the fact that Andres had just mentioned it a few minutes ago, um, was Fernando Beron, who mm-hmm. must have been one of the coaches beforehand, right? He's been an interim coach before for Independiente, yeah. I'm sure, in one of their seconds. Um, uh, academy director, reserve coach, something along those lines. The other big five side who we've not mentioned, we're going to do so really quickly before we take a half-time break with San Lorenzo. It were crap. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? Because they started the season so well. I think they were top for the what the first yeah. five weekends. And they went 1-0 up two minutes in, thanks mm. to an own goal from Rafael Delgado, uh, who ended up getting his own back because he scored two minutes into the second half as well, but at the right end. I, I actually, at the same end, but... For a different team because they swapped hands. Alexis Castro and Fernando Marquez scored uh, defensive Justicia's first two um, goals in that game, which just, I mean, San Lorenzo again. That, that's the main story, really, isn't it? Rather than defensive Justicia doing well. Yeah, just absolutely. Makes you think whether there wasn't a certain a certain case of a bed being made for, for Pizzi, mm. as they say in Argentine football parlance if they weren't hanging him up to dry. Indeed. Uh, yeah, it's been desperate. I mean, and for the amount of money they spent uh, over the winter, the amount of players they brought in with the idea that they were going to fight on, I think, three fronts because they were still in the Copa Argentina as well. They had Libertadores, Copa Argentina. They were one of the, I don't know if you'd say favourites, but they were in kind of the the favoured pack, let's say, to, to challenge for the title. And, and yeah, it's just all come to pieces. It's, 
It seems astounding. It seems as if it's been really sudden because I'm just looking back through their results. They've lost five games so far this season in the Superliga. Yeah. They're still twelfth, but that's how that shows you how good their their start was. Uh, but those five games have been in the last six matches. Yeah, they, they lost to Colón. Who I guess okay, Colón have just qualified for the Sudamericana final, or were about to do so when that happened. So we thought, yeah, okay, well, Colón, that's not an easy opponent. Then they lost to Boca, who were top of the league, and it was like, right, okay, a loss to Boca is not that big a thing. Then they beat Banfield, and it was like, right, they're back up and running. And since then, they've got, remember that thrashing 4-1 at home against Central Córdoba? Oh, Christ, yes. They lost the Clásico to, to Huracán, 2-0, if I remember right. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then they've just been beaten fairly comfortably by Defensa y Justicia as well, also at home. Yes. Um, so the wheels have come off with dramatic suddenness, and they've got a sort of semi-Clásico this weekend, because they're away to Independiente. So that could be enjoyably chaotic for us neutrals. Just two teams who are both not really playing that well um, and both desperately need to do better uh, coming up against one another. Um, on that note, we're going to take a half-time break anyway. And when we come back, we'll talk about a bit of other stuff and I'll give you the standings and the relegation standings and all the rest of it as well. So don't go away. Second half. Um, I've already gone through the, uh, the the league title battle um, down to fourth at least, just beyond Boca. Bellis and Racing are still tied um, on twenty points as they were last time. Well, they were tied on nineteen okay. points or something, weren't they? Last time we recorded um, because they both drew uh, the relegation table for which I have got my secondary live scores app, which actually has the relegation table on it. If you've got Sofa Score. Don't look at the league table for the relegation zone because it's a separate table. Um, has Gimnasia still bottom, but now up to a point a game, which means that if Gimnasia win, actually no, if, if Gimnasia, yeah, if Gimnasia win their next game in Central Cordoba, don't win their next game. Gimnasia will no longer be bottom of the relegation table. They're on 63 points from 63 games. Central Córdoba have 12 points from 11 games. And Rosario Central and Patronato remain deadlocked on 71 points each from 63 matches. So Gimnasia is still eight points behind nominal safety. Although Patronato and Central, if the season were to end like this, would have to play off to decide who stays up and who goes down. Um, They can do that, can't they? I think there are something like 54 points still in play. Taking into account the fact that this, the Copa Superliga is, is going to count towards the relegation table as well. Um, it might be 54 points this season, and of which about 30-odd of them are still in play. But there are No, no, it probably is 54, isn't it? Because we've got about 14, 13 games left in the league. And then, it, and then 8 or 9, it'll be in the Copa Superliga. Because it's going to be a group stage. Um, Sounds plausible, like yeah. Um, so... <laughs> It's still a very long way back for them, in spite of the, the improved form, isn't it? I don't know what yes. they can do it. We shall see. In the relegation zone, you know, you win a couple of games, and mm. because the other teams around you are pretty crap, you yeah. start moving up. But Indeed. yes, it's going to be very good. Uh, just above Patronato and Central, Aldo Sibi are on 41 points from 36 games. 
It's a, obviously difficult to work that out, how, how that compares with these teams that are on 63 points. But to give you an idea, above Aldo Sibi are Banfield, who have played 63 games and have got 73 points. So only two ahead of Patronato and Central. Um, and then there's a bit of a jump to Colón, who are on 77 from 63, and Newells, who are on 76 from 62, because of that game in hand against Independiente, which is going to be played in a couple of weeks' time. I think it was mid-November. December, in the December 15th? December? Yes. Really? Yes. It's Ooh. December 15th or 18th. It's oh, OK. I yeah. thought it was November for some reason. No. Um, Would have been, yes, better to play when FIFA, mm-hmm. this FIFA round of, uh, of friendlies. But I, I think Estudiantes are probably safe. They're on 81 so 10 points at a Patronato and Central, and they are occasionally winning games. So, yeah, I think so. realistically, I think the relegation struggle, battle, whatever you want to call it, dogfight, uh, probably goes up to and including Newell's. So Newell's, Colón, Banfield, Lado CV, Patronato, Central, Central Córdoba, and Gimnasia um, are the teams who I would put in the relegation battle at the moment. Mm. And of those three teams are going to go down, I'm going to stick my neck out and say Central Córdoba, Gimnasia, and Central. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised by Aldo Civi or Banfield, to be honest. They're, they're the two teams who, apart from Gimnasia, who've got fewest points so far this season of the ones that I've just named. Um, so they're the ones who are struggling most. But we shall see. Another competition that is currently taking place and which we're not really paying very much attention to, um, but our sometime collaborator, Peter Coates, is live tweeting most of Argentina's games. Um, is the Under-17 World Cup, or to give it its official hand of pod approved name, the Children's World Cup, um, in which Argentina have been drawn in Group E alongside Spain, Tajikistan and Cameroon. One of Dan's neighbours is so happy about this fact that he's decided to unleash a budgerigar on us. It was his If you can hear it. Um, Argentina have already played Spain, with whom they drew 0-0, and Cameroon, who they beat 3-1 yesterday on... So on Thursday, because we're recording this on Friday, it will hopefully be online by the time most of you wake up on Monday, depending on uh, on Saturday, sorry, depending on how awake I am by the time I come down to edit it. Um, they played Tajikistan on Sunday, third, today's the first, second, yeah, on Sunday, um, who quite surprisingly have already got a win. They beat Cameroon um, 1-0. Just doing the goal difference check. Yeah, they, they must have beaten them 1-0. Um, but that means that if Argentina can draw with Tajikistan, then they will be through for, for certain. It looks, we were discussing this just before we started recording again, um, it looks as if it's going to be the top two from each group plus the four best place, third place sides, because there are six groups in total, so that will give you a last 16. Um, presumably none of the second place sides are going to miss out to form a last eight, because FIFA doesn't really tend to do that, do they? Going straight into quarters for a FIFA tournament would be a bit weird. Yes, I would think. Um, so that's the Under-17 World Cup. Mm-hmm. And we'll update you next week on whether Argentina managed a point against mighty Tajikistan um, and against who they're playing in the presumably round of 16. But as we say, if you do want to take it a little bit more seriously than calling it the Children's World Cup, then uh, follow Peter Golasso Argentino on Twitter. Um, anything else to add, gents, before we go on to listeners' questions? No, I don't think so. No? I think that about, about national team, Scaloni has released. Oh, mm. fuck, yeah. Oh, sorry, no, not, not, not that word I just said, because this is a family <laughs> podcast. But uh, thank you, Andres, for reminding me. Um, can we get a list of the uh, called-up players? Uh, is, uh, have they done another under-23s one as well? They have. Yes, they released some. Messi's back. It's the big 
Yeah, you're the only 23s. No, obviously no. not for the senior team. And there's a new face in the senior team. Uh, Noen, and I want to say Perez. Yes, that's right. The Atletico Madrid defender, currently on loan. He's been in the under-23s a lot. Portugal club, Familicia. I saw that the name of that club and I never heard of it before. That's the Familia Sao. Familicao or something like that. George Mendes is Portuguese. I think it's a hard Are they in the Primera in Portugal? Yeah, they're top of it. They were a couple of weeks ago. They were a couple of weeks ago. They an amazing start. Um, so the full um, national team call-ups are uh, Agustin Marquesin of Porto, a name that Phil is punching the air and delight about, Crikey. Juan Musso of Udinese, and Emiliano Martinez of Arsenal um, are the... Oh, and Esteban Andrada of Boca are the goalkeepers. I'm presuming... Just checking down it. Yeah, OK, he's not called up any River players no. because of the Libertadores final. And obviously there are no Flamengo players to call up, so we can't... Gremio didn't get through, so we can't complain again about the fact that he has called up Kahneman. Um, Juan Foyt of Tottenham, Renzo Saravia of Porto, Nicolas Otamendi of Manchester City, still. I keep thinking City sold him in the no. summer. <laughs> um, Germán Petzela of Fiorentina, Marcos Rojo of the biggest club in Manchester, Walter Kahneman of Gremio, and Nicolas Tagliafico, oh, and Neuen Perez of, uh, of Ajax and Famila... Fam- Famalicao, it says here. Mm-hmm. A, Famalicao. And then E. Famalicao uh, of Portugal. Um, respectively, the r- midfielders are Guido Rodriguez of America de Mexico. Giovanni Lo Celso, apparently is how he pronounces it since he moved to England. Mm-hmm. So we'll take that. Um, of Tottenham. Leandro Paredes of Paris Saint-Germain. Nicolas Dominguez of Belles. Rodrigo de Paul of Udinese. Marcos Acuna of Sporting who's actually going to be playing left-back if he plays, probably, but they've listed him here as a midfielder. Roberto Pereira of Watford. Lucas Ocampos of Sevilla. And then the forwards are Lionel Messi uh, of Football Club Lionel Messi. Sergio Aguero of Manchester City. Nicolas Gonzalez of Stuttgart. Lucas Alario of Bayer Leverkusen. Lautaro Martinez of Inter. And Paolo Dybala, again, of Juventus, even though he shouldn't be playing for Argentina. Clearly. It's a little bit harsh. Now. I mean, Messi's in the squad. What do you need Dybala to roll onto the pitch? Marco, Marco Rocco, you might be also delighted us. Phil. I mean, from a Man United fan's point of view, it, maybe we get lucky and he'll get injured on international duties. Keep him out of danger. I, very, I really, really like Marcos Rocco. I, just, I, mean, I prefer him as a person to as a footballer, to be perfectly honest. He's got entertainment value. He is, yeah. He's tremendous. He's great, very right? neutral. There was one player there that is surprisingly missing, and I assume that Nehu and Perez has taken his place. Lisandro Martinez of Ajax. He's in the under-23s, I believe. Is he? The list. I can't see him in the under-23s. Because, no, I think they've dropped him. I don't know about the injury, because I saw some tweets about him, and they were very surprised. because He's had it's a... not in under-23s. I can only imagine it's some sort of fitness issue. The, the under-23 so. list... Is I'm not going to give you the clubs because it'll take ages, but the M23 list is Facundo Cambeses, Claudio Bravo, uh, not the ancient Mexico striker, but the, the Banfield, Banfield, Banfield. They had a very good game against Racing the other day. Agustin Ursi, um, Francisco Ortega, Hernán de la Fuente, Lucas Robertoni, that lot are all from Vélez, Adolfo Gaich, Carlos, Carlos Valenzuela, who we've talked about a bit, Fausto Berra, Nicolás Capaldo, and Alexis McAllister and Manuel Rojo uh, Facundo Nadalin your mate from Newell's yeah. Jamie uh, Juan Pablo Cozzani from Lanús mm-hmm. Ezequiel Ponce uh, Cristian Romero Valentin Castellanos 
Marco Senesi, Leandro, no, sorry, Leonardo, it's very small type, this, Balerdi, uh, Matias Saraccio, Ezequiel Barco, Leonel Mosevic, Nacional of Portugal, apparently, uh, Matias Vargas, and Santiago Colombato, who's playing in Belgium for a club yes. called STVV. I feel like I don't recognise European football anymore with the clubs that some of this are mm-hmm. playing for. Uh, yeah, I just looked up Lisandro Martinez and Ajax are playing right now in the cup mm-hmm. and he's he's actually just gone off injured in this game, which is weird. But he played against He played against Feyenoord a few days ago, but he's been played in the number five position, so defensive midfielder. Uh, so I don't know if that has anything to do with the fact he hasn't been called up. Uh, we had a question last a couple of weeks ago about the fact that he was playing now as a as a five okay, for Ajax right. or as an Argentine five for Ajax. I have no idea whether Ajax. You called think he'd at five. least be in the under twenty three team mm-hmm. unless there was some reason Ajax had asked him not to, not to be called up yeah. or yeah. or something bizarre. Um, these friendlies are against Brazil in Saudi Arabia. And then somebody else in Tel Aviv. Uruguay. Finally, Uruguay. You will Uruguay, do, yeah. Do we Paraguay, but, uh, so the, the Afro are doing their best to, to bridge the Arab-Israeli divide with their choice of, um, of, of venues for this one. Um, I, I don't want to go in too much into geopolitics by actually talking about that choice of venues, but it, I, I just found it quite amusing when I saw, hang on, you're going from where to where? Remember just, a year, remember just a year ago we had all sorts of outcry because yeah. yes. they wanted to play uh, a friendly in Jerusalem prior to the World Cup prior to the, to, uh, the World Cup yes yeah. and, right. then, and Sam Pauli didn't want the extra travelling that it would involve and I think was using that possibly was using that as much of an excuse to get away from talking about the politics of it they played in Spain the game, right yeah because yeah. they were based in Barcelona so he and, and they had arranged a flight from Barcelona to Tel Aviv play the game and then flying on to, to Russia and he was like the players are going to turn up to the World Cup and can we just play it in Barcelona um, yeah excellent so that's happening um, it's in two weeks time November the 15th is the first game for my birthday fantastic that's in two weeks time indeed happy, yes. happy birthday if we don't see you before now thank you which indeed we might not no because I'm going around, to spend right? it in Mendoza mm-hmm. I should also, that's a good excuse for me to point out that uh, when Dan gets back, or just after Dan's birthday, in fact, I'm going away. Uh, so for the second half of November, there won't be any hand of pod. <sighs> what we are going to try to do, however, because the Copa Libertadores final falls slap bang in the middle of my two weeks away. You did this last year too, right, I think? Uh, the year before? Yes, the first leg of the Libertadores yes. final was while I was away, yeah, and I was back for the second leg. Sam has um, a terrible timing. But with what we will try to do at some point is uh, probably me and Andres... Uh, maybe you two as well next week if you've got a bit of extra time after we record. Um, I'm going to try and record uh, a couple of previews. One Hand of Pod extra style preview, i.e. the histories of River and Flamengo prior to playing the Libertadores final and a little bit of Copa Libertadores final trivia as well for Hand of Pod extra subscribers. Um, and then one other uh, general preview of it and then hope like hell that nobody important gets injured in the intervening two weeks, which I will put on SoundCloud and then we'll time to actually go live I think I can do this on SoundCloud I hope I can schedule it to go live um, a few days before the final so that you've got something to listen to although of course that said episode is not going to turn up on the Hand of Pod blog um, because I'm going to be away and I'm not taking my computer with me but it will turn up on your RSS feeds if you're subscribing to Hand of Pod uh, via any of your favourite podcast subscription services 
okay. listeners' questions for the week, which I've now got on my phone, so it's going to be quieter than ever. Um, we did say, or I specified, sorry, beforehand, um, that you should send in any questions if you've got questions specifically for Phil and Jamie, because there are five of us. These episodes often go on for longer when there are more people recording, and I've got to edit it quite late at night after another couple of pints uh, this evening in the pub with a hand of pod listener, um, and get it online by tomorrow morning as well, because the football starts again on Saturday here in Argentina. Um, so for that reason, we're going to ignore questions that aren't specifically either travel-related for these two who are visiting Argentina, or Newell's or Lanús-related. And these questions are... Chris Curtis broke the golden rule, so he's going to have to submit his question again next week, as I already... You're on a tight ship, Sam. ...via Twitter. Uh, Perfect Tommy says, What inspired you to support your clubs? Phil, do you want to go first? Reluctantly. So, inspired is a difficult word. It was a series of accidents more than anything else. So I discovered Lanus through football manager, as is traditional. This podcast probably gets more of the credit or blame than any other thing, really, because... I can't remember ever saying anything nice about Lanus. You didn't, why you you're didn't. Blaming didn't. It was Ozzy Dan, more than anyone else. Ozzy Dan's stuff, nice about, nice stuff about yeah. Lanus. Yeah, I mean, he was always the one that, you know, kept you too honest. They, they were playing... Your, they're playing very well around the time that Australian down was here. I think he, he might have been on yeah, the Yeah, a couple of good spells, yeah. I, I think, I can't remember when he left, but I think he. Possibly the Sudamericana. I think the Sudamericana might have been just after he left, mm. but I remember at one point I was listening to a lot of Hand of Pod and I hadn't actually got around to starting Lanus in English. But I, I was I was watching a lot anyway. Certainly when Guillermo came in, that was when I started really adopting it and I was a very regular listener. And then from there it just got out of hand. Really, <laughs> I had too much time on my hands, and you know, internet internet streams exist. And then I started the Twitter account, and somehow I ended up in Argentina twice. Mm. Yeah. Jamie, does Hand of Pod have anything to do with your? It does hand? actually. Yeah. Uh, first and foremost, I'm going to blame Maurizio Pochettino because uh, I'm a Spurs fan, season ticket holder, and uh, I got a bit bored of the Premier League at one stage, uh, even though Spurs were doing quite well, and. I was looking for another league to follow and um, I remember in Pochettino's one of his first years at Spurs they asked him about the Tottenham Arsenal derby and Mm -hmm. the fact that was he ready for such a fiery derby (laughs) (laughs) and you know could he handle the pressure and he said you know I scored in the classical Rosarino uh, for Newell's against Central so you know I was like okay pressure yeah (laughs) more pressure so that comment kind of led me to looking up a lot more about Newell's I, I knew that you know Messi had come from there from a very young age uh, Bielsa but I started to watch the games on dodgy streams probably the same as Phil but uh, the trigger actually for me to set up the Twitter account was um, listening to the previous Handapod episode that Phil was on about two years ago mm-hmm. um, because there was no way for an English speaker to follow you it was really online mm-hmm. um, so I heard Phil speaking about his Lanus in English account on the podcast and I decided well I can do a Newell's one so, yeah, thanks, yeah. Well, thanks, Handapod. I, I, thanks, thanks, Pochettino. I think we said beforehand, when, when you were on before, Phil, I can't remember whether Lanus in English was the first English-language Twitter yeah. set up for an Argentine club, but if not, it was, it was the second or third. It was one of the uh, first. I think it's the first. Jimmy Lee did an article for Galato Argentina for yeah. Peter a while ago. I think it was a little bit after that one. Ah, yes, he did, did a recap, and I did have the you know slight prideful moment of being dubbed the godfather of it, because... Bit of a fluke anyway, because there wasn't not an awful lot of planning on me doing that. It was more of a case of, eh, it seemed like a decent enough idea. How hard can it be? Hmm. 
and yeah, there's quite a few now. There is. I think some of them are more or less. It's half of the Superliga. There, there, there are a couple for River. There's River in English, which is run by our mate who you two will be meeting. Uh, I, I don't know whether you've met him actually as well, Dan. Tom. Tom, uh, I don't think so. So you, you lot might all be meeting him for the first time, but I already know him quite well. Um, who's an English guy who lives here in Buenos Aires and River Plate I think Norway. River Norwega no, on Twitter yeah, but yeah. it's River Plate Norway and they tweet in English yeah. uh, which is run by I think a bloke in Norway who's also one of our listeners yeah. you know. um, there is a Bocker in English podcast yep, uh, I was almost podcast on that um, run by a guy an Argentine in New York or an Argentine American uh, there are there's a few that became that, inactive that exist for all of the big five yeah, there's quite a few that dip in and out yes so there's there's all competing around the racing Yes, yes that's easy to get involved in <laughs> There's all sorts of internal Indeed. stuff yeah. which I try yeah. to. Um, it's, it's like the Barra. Stay up there. Yes. There was the Britain. official, the unofficial. La banda del oeste. There's also a Newell's official one as well, which. Yes. yes. Cr- credit to them to actually get off their asses and do it, to be fair. Yes. Which was originally started by a Catalan gentleman living in Rosario. Um, and is now, I believe, occasionally tweeted from by somebody sitting not very far away from me. Uh, but we're not allowed to say that officially. So that may or may not Classified be Classified secret. Um, I hope to see more clubs follow suit one day. Yes. It would be nice to see. It would. It would be nice if the Superliga would set up a, a proper English language Twitter as well. But there is a Superliga English account. It's not official. Uh, but there is one called Superliga. But there is an official one now. Is there? Yes. 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 Yeah, there is. Uh, Superliga underscore ENG. Yeah, it does still seem a little bit half-assed. Yeah, it's improving. It's improving. I think they're trying. They're trying. I criticised them when they in the first weekend. I think a bit bit like with the the Libertadores account starting to actually have an official English language presence. I think they've slowly cottoned on to the fact it might be a half decent idea just to do Mm. the basics. It's still no Argentine national team one, which boggles my mind. I mean, it's not like. The got global superstars who no, no one would be interested in, in any one of the Argentina team, yeah. Oh, I haven't seen this Superliga English one before, I've only seen the unofficial one, so thank you for pointing that out. I'm going to follow mm. it from Hand of Pod mm. right now. Yeah. Um, it's always nice to see people making an effort. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> um, Even if it's not all encompassing, something is better than nothing. Indeed, yeah. Um, what else? Where's the next question? Uh, Ronnie Mazunda says, Who would be the top three? Lanus and Newell's legends minus Messi and Bielsa according to both of you well I'll go first um, I couldn't select Messi anyways I don't think because he hasn't played a, a senior game for the club uh, so I'm going to go for Tata Martino number one uh, Maxi Rodriguez and long before my time Mario Zanabria who oh, scored, okay. scored a very important goal at the uh, Arojito uh, to beat Central in 1974 on the way to Newell's first title Phil? I'm going to cheat here because I think you have to do it in a couple of eras and I'm not entirely qualified to judge on the, the older eras so I'm going to do two sets modern modern players in particular it's got to be Pepe Sand Lautaro Acosta and Maxi Velasquez mm-hmm. Pepe Sand has got the record Sand, Sand and Acosta are the two who've won both of the league titles the, mo- the most oh, no, winningest players yeah. uh, Maxi Velasquez won both as well yeah. I believe <laughs> ah right okay. uh, I think Sometimes I forget all the records, right? Pepe Sand is the now the all-time top goal scorer for Lanús mm-hmm. over two spells, three spells actually. Jeez, that's me getting mixed up. Go so fast. Maxi Velasquez, I believe, has the all-time appearance record and also has won, I think, every cup apart from the Copa Comunidad in two thousand in nineteen ninety-seven. So that's the 
So in other words, all, all of the cups that Lanus have won, yeah, basically, apart from that one, Maxi Velasquez has been there. So he's a massive player, and then Lavdaro Costa, who has won almost everything again, and is still going, hmm. and is basically the prodigal son. Then, as the secondary list, where I'm cheating a little bit, but more historically, you've got um, Hector Giri, where the, one of the streets that the stadium lies on is named after him. He's, I believe he played in the 50s, so I might get my dates a bit mixed up, but he's a okay. mythical figure, almost. Higuito Morales, who is before my time, but he's one of those names that absolutely always comes up. And then finally, Ramon Cabrero, who I don't believe ever played for Lanús, but he was manager when yes. we won the first championship in 2007, yeah. moved into a kind of director of football role, and he's basically the godfather of everything that's happened since, definitely since that first title win, and probably a bit before that as well. Hmm. He died about two years ago yeah. now, and he is, again, a mythical figure. A street was renamed, so the stadium now lies on Cabrero Iguiri. Ah, yes, I remember him being renamed. And he's just revered. Uh, I can see Andres straining to, yes, uh, yeah, because I have a, a question for, for both. Uh, re- related to teams, the teams, the well, I will do it again. The two teams, or, or from two teams, which one was the, the one that you liked most? Um, in, the, in the case of Newell's, will be the, the Bielsa team that won in 1991, was the, the it was the Torneo Nacional oh, at that point. No, 1991. Yeah, 1991. Yeah, that they they won against uh, Boca for mm. penalty shootouts. Penalties, yeah, and they, they won the Terrible pitch. local tournament. Or, for example, the other team will be the Martino Mons. Yes. Yeah. The 2013 was uh, that they were. 2013. The yeah, that was incredible. I, for me, it's 2013 because uh, Skoko, Pablo Perez, um, I mean Guzman in goal. It, it just. It was completely mm. unexpected, uh, and for Tata Martino as well, the most capped player ever in Newell's to lead them to a title. It's just yes. yeah, incredible. And well, arriving the semi-final of Copa Libertadores, uh, defeating Boca also, yes. uh, also a great thing. And in the case of Lanús, it will be, and I think he... To be honest, I know my answer to this anyway. The, the, you already answered this. <coughs> very simply, it's yes. Jorge Miron's team of 2016, oh. albeit with the... Yes sort of the hangover that went to Libertadores team because that was still a good team but the team that won the championship in 2016 was yes. for any Lanus fan incredible he brought in brilliant players he made existing players better and they played beautiful football and I would try and lean back on more objective stats that I've seen where I think I saw something probably from might have been ESPN might have been say, but comparing recent title wins over the last 10 years and I think they were listing how many games each team had won to win that championship. And as a percentage, I think Lanús were like second or third highest because mm. they just destroyed everyone. I showed Dan Remmer that one of the few matches we didn't win was against Racing, where your favourite Paraguayan at the time absolutely gobbed us. I can't beautiful, remember. Right? They it really off, but <coughs> but yes, otherwise, we, we basically took on all comers and I think with very few exceptions, smashed them. Yeah. It was very, very memorable. Uh, Andres Mira says, have you ever seen either, obviously, in Phil's case a Lanús game, or in Jamie's case a Newell's game, at the stadium? And if you did, which one was first, and with uh, what was the result? So, Phil, first of all. I know Andres is one of mine, so my first game, obviously, was the what we were referring to yesterday is that game, was the Libertadores second leg final against Gremio two years ago. 
wonderful occasion personally, but an awful match to remember. So it's a bit of a cakewalk. Was it 4 0? 4 1 at the end. 4 uh, After a draw in the first leg, is that right? It was a 1 1 draw, yeah. which I think the memory serves with a leading 1 0, conceded a relatively cheap equaliser. And obviously, not all hope was lost, but we knew it would be tough. And then when it came to the return leg, they were awesome. Uh, they just absolutely slaughtered us. Mm. No way around it. Um, and more recently, of course, as we've said already, you were at uh, Lennox versus Boca. Much happier. That was just third Lennox game because you went to another one. No, the, oh, no, second, you, you no. had to leave the day before, didn't you? I arrived back home literally an hour before Lennox's second like follow-up game to that final against Fellas. So for for listeners who weren't listening when Phil was down here two years ago, uh, Phil booked his tickets when Lennox qualified for the final and was in. Not even staying in Buenos Aires, you had to make a trip into Capital Federal to record with us. I was staying, I was staying in Lomas, right next to Lanos, for um, less than a week in the end. For, yeah, like, we were here for like, what, four nights or something? Five nights? Five nights, six days in yeah. the end, because it was supposed to be seven and that got cut short. Well, welcome to Buenos Aires this yeah, time. I'm actually seeing it properly. You can have a look around. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Jamie, have you been to Argentina before? Have you been to a, a Newell's game before? Well, quite a timely question. Uh, this is my first time and the first game I was at was uh, two, three days ago now the unfortunate home defeat 4-0 to Gymnasia so I didn't bring you as the luck of the Irish no uh, no and uh, I, I saw a, a few people were insulting you on your Twitter account yes. and saying don't come back yes I had a Newell's <laughs> fan right don't come back uh, and uh, I said back to him how dare you talk to Diego Maradona like that but uh, yeah so Really, really disappointing result. But uh, I've had some bad luck with going to, to football games recently. I mentioned I'm a Spurs fan already, and the last Spurs game I was at was the first leg of the Champions League final, uh, or semi-final against Ajax in in London, and they lost the first leg. And obviously, they came back to win in the second leg. But uh, that was my first time at the new Spurs stadium, and they lost, and Newell's lost. So. Uh, yeah, maybe the the next game I'm going to is Defensa Justicia in a couple of weeks, so be third time lucky, maybe or second time lucky. I don't envy your schedule earlier this week either, because you took off from Dublin on like Monday afternoon, Monday lunch time. Arrived Monday. at Essesa fairly early in the morning on Tuesday, yeah. and then met your mate and drove straight to Rosario from there without yeah. checking into a hotel or anything yes. here. First of all, and then yes. stayed the night in Rosario. Yes, and then eventually got to Buenos Aires on Wednesday. He told us before we started recording that he was fairly certain the Maradona frame was a hallucination. Yes, <laughs> you, you <laughs> couldn't believe my eyes. Yeah. Forty hours without sleep. Uh, I was looking down and saw Mar- Maradona in a fairly elaborate armchair, and I thought, oh, this must be a mirage. And if it's any consolation, then given all the stuff that Maradona's taken in his life, he probably was imagining part of it as well. <laughs> well we're all just living in Diego Maradona's drug-induced haze, I think. Uh, Belgrano in English says, can we give Lanús English and Newell's English some time to talk about their favourite and least favourite things that they have experienced in Argentina? Food, drink, football, question mark. What cultural things and souvenirs are you bringing home? I know that Jimmy uh, got in touch with you, Jamie, and was trying to talk you into going to Cordoba mm. um, because he's a big fan of, of the city of Cordoba, but you're probably not doing, are you? Uh, I thought about it, but uh, some Newell's fans said, it, just to explain, I mean, most of the listeners probably know that the way fans aren't usually allowed to go to games in Argentina, but they are permitting Newell's fans to go to Cordoba for the Tashiris game at the weekend. I was thinking about going, but uh, some other news fans I know told me not to bother. So, eh, maybe next time. <laughs> um, Is this because your first game they lost four? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> Don't go to any more no, games, mate. No, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I'll just go home. You are missing. Yeah, just go home. <laughs> um, the question was about 
Favourites and least favourite things that you've experienced yeah. so far in Argentina? I've only been here three days. Honest. I've only been here three days, but like in terms of football, uh, I don't know if I mentioned already, but uh, just the whole fan culture and I mean, Newells were losing 4-0 in the last 10 minutes of the game and every one of the 42,000 people there were still there. Hmm. I mean, my reference point is England and the Premier League, but the stadium would be empty if the home team was losing 4-0. So that's a favourite thing. Um, I'm not sure what else, like, you know, I've only been here three days, uh, but everything I've seen so far, uh, yeah, has impressed me, food has been good, weather's been good up to today, it's a little bit overcast. Um, There's a thunderstorm forecast to kick off any minute now when I checked the weather forecast last night. Yeah, so. The good thing is, I've already been drinking mate and fernet before I came here, so, uh, you know, it's not... uh, a shock to drink it so far so uh, it's, it's, it's mostly got to be just a shock how cheap it is here yes how cheap absolutely. It, how expensive it is yeah. in Europe yeah I mean it's it's ridiculous although I went to the supermarket today for the first time and the prices weren't that similar from Ireland but when you eat out and, and, mm. and drink a pint in the pub yeah it's much cheaper uh, I did have to go to the pharmacy and that was a bit strange because uh, I was just trying to buy some some uh, mouthwash uh, but and some dental floss I think as well uh, but everything was behind a glass panel and the pharmacist had to approve my purchase, which I, I thought was a, a little bit weird for some mouthwash and dental floss. So, that sounds yeah. weird to me, actually. Yes. Well, so, <laughs> some yeah. of the pharmacists yeah. here are more yeah. old-fashioned than others. I just went to a weird uh, pharmacy. Yeah. Yeah. Phil? Very broad question, so I'm only going to just do the good things, really. Uh, for me, obviously it's not the first time, but I will. I remain amazed at the generosity of people, both specifically football fans, but also more generally just when people clock on that you're a tourist and you're confused, you do get a surprising amount of goodwill, which I know neither of us speak good Spanish at all, so that's very pleasant. But at Lanus in particular, I, I'm always amazed at just the, how quickly and how immediately people will fall over themselves to do anything to help you, whether it's, for, for my case, people I don't know picking me up from an airport and driving me into the city, people I met last time and speak to me on Twitter just sorting me out for tickets making sure that I can buy stuff in the shop with a language barrier. I've been introduced to the president, the vice president. I have the president's phone number. I've met previous coaches, players. I've been on the pitch. And I have not asked for any of this. This is just people trying to, you know, do the right thing, trying to help, trying to be nice. And that's great, but it is also baffling at the same time. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what to say. It's, it's just a very nice thing to say, and it's one reason why, if anyone did ever ask me if they could, you know, if they should go to a game at Lenos or whether it was worth it, I would unhesitatingly say yes, with the caveat that so long as they were introduced to someone beforehand, because they would just mm. get a completely different experience. I would say, I, I've been to two Lenos games with different match-going uh, people. I, I was speaking one of them yeah. the first time. Uh, and yeah, I would agree with that. The other thing is that if you're staying in Capital Federal, it can frankly be a bit of a pain in the ass to oh, get home John, if you yeah. go to a late kickoff. That have to be. I was lucky last night. I had a, a friend who was giving me. This is one of those words. Just a generosity, but I think he lives in San Isidro, mm. and he gives people a lift back anyway. So he literally dropped me off at the door. But if it hadn't been for that, it would have been an absolute pain in the ass. It's not. I was saying to Jamie yesterday. It's, it's not that difficult in terms of finding out what the transport is. The transport's fairly simple. It just takes a long time. Yeah, um, I'm sure it's, it's actually on at the right time. Uh, N. Nicolas Bloch or Bloch um, says 
to Newell's English, would you keep the same team against Tacheres or would you make any changes? I think you probably half answered this one when you were I did, yeah, but it's funny that Nicholas tweeted in because uh, he's actually the guy that uh, picked me up from the airport and brought me to the game in, in, uh-huh. in Rosario. And just to echo Phil's comments about the generosity of people in Argentina and fans, like uh, one year ago I didn't, I didn't know Nicholas and he messaged me on Twitter and uh, he's been amazing, you know, bringing me to games in his car, uh, introducing me to his family, inviting me for an asado. Uh, he's done everything for me. You know, I arrived at the airport and he had uh, an Argentine SIM card for me. He had um, uh, a subte card. Um, so, yeah, uh, to go back to the question, I think I answered it earlier. But, yeah, I think Kudelka needs four or five changes. Salinas out. Uh, he needs to pick Albertengo or Leal to play in the centre-forward position. Also, Alexis Rodriguez was not in the squad at all, and we were surprised about that for the last game. Mm. He's not great technically, but he has heart and he plays with passion. I mean, he's and he links up well with his brother and cousin. He does, he does. I think, like, I'm not a massive fan of Dennis Rodriguez. I know he's Maxi's cousin and he's Newell's through and through, but I don't really think he's that much of a player. I think Alexis has more potential, even though Dennis is a little bit older. So I'd like to see him back. I mean, he famously made a a slide tackle with his head in the Clásico this, this year. So he's got that passion and heart to try and win. Uh, so I'd like to see him back. And Formica needs to start as well. Like He was on the bench. Uh, and yeah, I, I put in Nadaline as well uh, instead of Gabrielli. So yeah, as long as the, those players that I mentioned are fit, I'd put them back in. But uh, thanks to Nicolas and, and thanks for all his hospitality and generosity while I'm here. I think that that's an interesting dynamic um, that is worth considering for some of the matches this coming weekend as well as that there's such a quick turnaround of games and you know clubs like River and Boca are used to having a game in midweek followed by a game at the weekend and they've got the depth to cover it as well yeah uh, most of the clubs in the league don't and haven't and so I think we're probably going to see some a, a, few, a fair few more changes this Saturday and Sunday than we normally would between two league games uh, Tom Robinson said, who we're going to be meeting on on Tuesday uh, says who are Phil and Jamie's favourite young prospects from each of their respective clubs I'll take a cheap way out for this one uh, we recently Zulu recently introduced a young kid called oh, what's his first name Alex Alex Alexandro Alexandro Bernabe with an R-O at the end we were, Andres and I were discussing last week yeah. how silly that name was yes. I, I've, I've largely just heard people either refer to him as Bernabe or Alex but at the moment he seems to be very promising. Mm. Basically, before he started, not, I think it was this game or the Independiente game, I think it was the league game before that. Frankly, I'd never heard of him, but he came into the game and he just hit the ground running. Which game did he score in? Was it Independiente, I don't think. It was the next one. It was, I think it was Independiente won one. Or so, wasn't it? it must have been the last league game. I think he scored, I think he scored the second goal in like a 2 0 win or 2 0. Maybe it wasn't Independiente. Maybe he finished off. But either way, uh, he's another one off this production line. I don't know how they do it, but for the last 10-15 years they seem to just pull off these wide forwards off a production line. And he's just... Lautaro Costa got injured. This kid started and he just looks frighteningly good. He was giving Buffalini a terrible time last night in the first half, skinning him for fun. And so long as they nurture him right, if he keeps going, he looks like he could be very promising. There's another kid in the reserves, I think his name is Donato, who has scored a lot of goals... But I'm not sure if he'll be making the step up or not because he's one of those names who seems to hang around quite a lot. Bernabe scored the second goal in that 4-2 win away to uh, Tacheres. 
the when he scored twice in the opening six minutes, sound the penalty, and then Bernabe made it two 0 after six minutes. Then lighted up for a while, then pulled it back. So it was the game before yeah. the independent match. Yeah. Um, and Phil, uh, sorry, Jamie. Um, in terms of in and around the first team at the moment, I think Hieronimo Kachibue, if you can still call him a prospect, it's his second season, I think, playing. He, he was introduced midway through the last season. He's been our best player this season, full stop. He's injured at the moment, uh, plays in the number five position, scored a golazzo a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he's been called up to the under-23s, Argentina mm. as well. Um, they valued him at $10 million, I think, at the moment, Newell's, so it's expected that he won't play for Newell's for very long. Uh, but, yeah, he's just a safe pair of hands in that position, tackles well, passes well, and scores goals. So, um, but you're, been, you're guessing he's made a number on the annual show as well. Yes, I, I said that to you yesterday. That uh, I, I think that he's the one to have on the on the back of the shirt for this season. Um, there's been a lot of uh, kind of noise about Anibal Moreno as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in the Argentine under twenty squad, and uh, as I said earlier, he, there was scouts from Newcastle United apparently looking at him. He hasn't played enough for me. Like he definitely has talent. You know, he can pass the ball. He can score goals, um, but he's just not been played a lot because he's had a lot of interna- international duty with Argentina, so he's missed a lot of games. And you know, Kachibu has been playing so well. Um, Julian Fernandez has been playing so well, so he hasn't got a run. Um, but just then, in terms of players who haven't uh, played for the first team yet, the current captain of the uh, under 17s, Argentina, who are in the World Cup at the moment, is a player called Juan Sforza. And uh, I haven't seen him play that much, to be honest, because he's only like 16 or 17, mm. a child. Um, but apparently, he's tipped for big things. I, I heard that Man United had already inquired. Um, so. Could be a rumor. I'm not sure, but if you're the captain of Argentina yeah, at under 17, that he's a decent prospect. Yeah, I mean, if you're the if you're the captain, he plays every game. He starts every game for the under 17s. Obviously, things can go wrong between under 17 and senior level, but mm. uh, there, yeah, there's a lot of hope for him. Yeah, I knew this. Perhaps the situation of, of Moreno is similar to De La Vega. I was literally just going to go back to De La oh, Vega because yeah. Jamie saying that reminded me. De La Vega came onto the scene just when Zubaldia came in last season when we were at our lowest ebb, really recovering from the Carboni debacle. And with everyone else completely shot, De La Vega emerged on the scene and was just brilliant. And he's not been in the limelight this season. He's been very much taken in back seat. We, he's still very promising. We still have high hopes for him, but at the moment it does feel like he's being eased into things and managed in a way that you would have wanted to do to begin with. It's, it's a bit like... just thrown into the deep end and cries, we hope he swims. Yeah, it's a bit like Adolfo Gaich at, at just San Lorenzo. Him, so, yeah. Yeah, some of these guys who were involved in the Under-20 World Cup and, yeah. and previously, you know, in January in the qualifiers for the Under-20 World Cup, the Sudamericano Solvente, um, have, as a result of that, have had their 2019 yeah. club level really quite much. disrupted. And yeah. so you end up looking at them and thinking, I thought this guy was coming through, you know, from the outside. People, <laughs> I had someone ask me that question about Dylan Vega on Twitter last week, and all I could think was, yeah, he, he, had, he came into a full season, really, or yeah. half season last year, from nowhere, went straight into the Under-20 World Cup, and by the time he came back, I don't think he'd had any break, really. And we were playing a little bit better. And Zubaldia, mm. I think this is probably to his credit, has, he's not pushed it, he's just said, you know, we'll ease you back in. He's been on the bench quite a bit. He didn't come on last night, for example. He's, it's not everything being a given, but he seems to be trying to treat it a bit more reasonably. And Yeah. And I thought he was one of the best players out of the Under-20 World Cup yeah. as well for Argentina, he, he did which, considering get, he was also like the second youngest man. He did almost get a move to Europe as well. He, he was yeah. all set to go to Genoa for a pitiful fee, frankly. And it... I'm not sure if it fell through or if Lonnie's changed their mind, but 
they seem to be trying to mould it a little bit and you know growing it into something more. Mm. Uh, there is one more question, and it is for I assume for you, Jamie, given the identity of the person who's tweeted it. It's Luis Bessone, who says. What's the one thing that most surprised you about the match day experience before and then subsequently after the match slash unnecessarily drawn out Maradona ass kicking festival? <laughs> ass kissing festival, sorry, he says. Or kissing. As I said already, I think I was just probably comparing things to English football, but like the fans not leaving when we're down 4 0 was surprising. But uh, I don't know, like in the Premier League, everybody goes for a lot of pints before the games and there's pubs surrounding all the stadiums and people are, are drinking from a, a really uh, early time of the day but yeah it's a bit different in Argentina I mean, it was obviously Tuesday so people were working and stuff um, the smell of weed was an interesting addition for me yes. that was not an expensive one <laughs> yeah as well like I mean the flags is a big thing for me because uh, you, you can't bring a flag in to a Premier League game unless you have to get it signed off by the club I think like you have to get some sort of licence to bring a flag into a Premier League ground um, but they're just everywhere at Newell's and uh, there was a nice addition of fireworks of course for Maradona but uh, that doesn't happen at every game and uh, believe it or not fireworks are illegal in the Republic of Ireland so uh, yeah. Ooh, fireworks uh, yeah at sporting events or just full yeah, stop full stop wow. uh, really? there's a lot of people who go to Northern Ireland to smuggle them in yeah wow so uh, it's not often I see fireworks <laughs> 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 those quantities. Um, wow, that was a more interesting twist to that answer than I was yeah. expecting at the end, I'll be honest. Uh, that concludes our episode. I think there is no mystic sound this week because, as you will know, because you all listened last week, because you're good little listeners, um, mystic sound last week included this coming weekend's um, mystic sound predictions, which makes it a little bit quicker for me to edit this podcast uh, later on this evening. We are now going to go away and think about something to talk about for Handapod Extra. Remember, if you want to listen to Hand of Pod Extra, you can go to patreon.com slash handofpod and you can sign up and you can get loads of extra content from us each month. Uh, Jamie and Phil, you're both patrons, aren't you? Yep. Yes, Do you of consider course. it to be good value for money? Absolutely. Well worth it. Absolutely. Thank you very much. So if you've heard it from these two. Um, and they're only obsessed with Argentine football sufficiently to set up accounts and come out here specifically for football purposes. So um, please do that. Uh, in the meantime, thank you very much for listening and goodbye from English Dan. Goodbye and thank you very much. Andres. Goodbye, thank you. Very special guest Phil. Wow. Very special guest Jamie. Goodbye, thanks. And me, thank you and goodbye. Goodbye.